to the Australian Rotary Health Podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid. I'm Jessica Cooper and today Dr. Maria DiBiase from the University of Melbourne joins us on episode 53. Maria was awarded an Ian Scott PhD scholarship from Australian Rotary Health from 2014 to 2017 for her project Mapping Whole Brain Connectivity Networks in Schizophrenia and completed her PhD three years ago. Maria is a clinical neuroscientist with a strong interest in translational psychiatry research. Her work examines the neurobiological and genetic basis of large scale neuroimaging phenotypes in schizophrenia in order to identify clinical meaningful biomarkers. She currently holds an NHMRC investigator grant and heads the diffusion imaging stream of the North American prodrome longitudinal study. So thank you very much for joining me on the podcast today, Maria. How's, how's everything been going for you? Thank you very much for inviting me here to participate in this important initiative, Jessica. Everything's going well on my end. Thank you. How are you? Yeah, yeah, good. Um, yeah, hope, hopefully restrictions will start to ease soon in New South Wales. But yeah, we'll see how that goes. Um, yeah, but yeah, otherwise, yeah, pretty good. Um, so I, I guess, yeah, it's been about... Uh, four or five years now since you completed your PhD and, and we always love to hear about um, what our previous funded researchers are up to now. So I guess to, um, to start off with, do you want to tell us um, a bit about what you've been doing since completing your PhD project? Yeah, yeah, sure. It does feel like a long time ago, but it's only been uh, three years. So after completing my PhD, I spent a couple of years working as a postdoctoral research fellow in Boston, where I uh, met and collaborated with many brilliant scientists across Harvard Medical School. And this was really just a, a fantastic opportunity for me to hone my expertise in neuroscience. And then after spending this time in the US, I returned to Australia to establish my own research program here, which basically builds on the work that I was doing during my PhD to understand the neurobiology of schizophrenia. Yeah, but yeah, it definitely sounds very exciting, um, you know, getting to do research in another country. How, how has that been? That was absolutely an outstanding experience for me. I, I just learned so much from my peers and I was able to share the work, the, the great work that Australian-based scientists are doing as well. So just a fantastic opportunity. Yeah, great. And I guess this is this is sort of the first time that we've had a guest on to talk about their research into um, schizophrenia. So we've never really gone through that in the podcast before. So I'm really excited and, and, and interested to get into that more today. But I guess um, I know there might be some common misconceptions out there about what schizophrenia actually is. And I'm wondering if you might be able to explain some of the characteristics of um, this mental disorder to our audience. Yes, yeah, certainly. And you're right, Jessica, there are many misconceptions about schizophrenia, which can feed stigma around mental illness. But fortunately, and thanks to initiatives like this, people are becoming more aware that people with even severe mental illness can be productive members of society and are not typically violent or dangerous. So we're headed in the right direction, but we still have a long way to go to help people understand that mental health conditions are simply medical conditions and should not be stigmatized. But to get back to your question, schizophrenia uh, can affect someone's ability to think clearly and to perceive the world around them in the way that others perceive the world. So for example, someone with schizophrenia might experience hearing 
voices that other people don't hear. Uh, it can also affect someone's language abilities and speech, which can appear disorganized, and it can affect uh, someone's behavior, which can appear disorganized as well. So for example, walking around aimlessly. And schizophrenia is also associated with disturbances in mood. So as you can see, there are a range of symptoms that someone with schizophrenia can present with, and these can be quite distressing and debilitating. Yeah, well, yeah, thank you for giving that explanation. Um, yeah, I'm sure that um, is really helpful for people who don't really know much about it. And I guess now going into your PhD, which um, I guess it looks specifically at the brains of people with schizophrenia, could you walk us through what your PhD project involved? Yes, yeah, certainly. So my PhD was focused on characterizing brain changes associated with schizophrenia. In particular, I used different neuroimaging techniques to study the structure and the function of brains in individuals with schizophrenia. So to do this, uh, participants underwent a magnetic resonance imaging scan or an MRI scan, which is a very non-invasive and, and very safe way to capture detailed pictures of the brain. And then I analyzed these brain images and by studying the brains of individuals with schizophrenia and comparing these to brains of healthy individuals, I could detect differences that might in part explain why someone experiences the symptoms of schizophrenia. So for example, one of the techniques I used is called diffusion weighted imaging, which measures the movement of water molecules to generate contrast in brain images. And because water in the brain will travel faster along the grain of nerve fibers, we can basically use these water diffusion patterns to study the architecture of, of brain tissue. Yeah, it sounds very interesting. Um, I guess, was there, did you have any certain hypotheses or like what were you hoping to find out during the project? So the overall aim of my PhD was to expand on what we knew about brain changes, or what happens in the brain when someone has schizophrenia. So prior to my PhD, studies tended to focus on one particular aspect of disease or one particular feature of pathology at one specific time point of illness. So for example, some studies would focus on older individuals with chronic schizophrenia, while other studies only focused on younger individuals who recently developed psychosis. And the aim of my project was to form a more complete picture of brain changes across the course of schizophrenia. And this is because what we might expect to see in someone who recently developed psychosis could differ substantially to what we see in someone who has had schizophrenia for many years. So I guess I was trying to map the evolution of these brain changes across the course of illness. Mm, yeah, it sounds like you, you might have also found some really interesting findings from that. Do you, do you want to tell us what were some of the key findings? Absolutely. So what we found was that in schizophrenia, there are subtle alterations in the connective cabling or the white matter of the brain, which basically is responsible for transmitting electrical signals that brain cells use to communicate. And we found that these alterations are more severe in individuals who have had schizophrenia for an extended period of time, so for many years. And we also learned that these alterations in the brain's connective cabling or the white matter are directly linked to alterations in the brain's gray matter, which is composed of cell bodies of neurons that process information in the brain. So conventional studies had examined maybe one aspect of um, pathology in the brain, but our ability to map across these tissue types, including gray and white matter, allowed us to really test how multiple aspects of disease are interacting in the brain. And by doing this, we could show that the changes occurring in the, in the brain's gray matter and white matter are in fact 
related processes in schizophrenia and that this relationship between them evolves as the illness progresses. Yeah, and, and that sounds like it's something that really we didn't know before. It was kind of new information, yeah? Precisely, yeah. yes. Uh, the way that we did that was by developing these novel techniques that could map multiple aspects of pathology at the same time. Mm. Oh, that, that's great. And it must have been very exciting to sort of, yeah, see those results come out. And I'm just wondering as well, like, what does it mean in terms of the wider implications for people with schizophrenia? Good question. The findings from my PhD have no direct consequence for people with schizophrenia. We still need to learn so much about the biology of the disorder to catch up with other medical disciplines. I think, though, what these findings show is that by connecting the dots between different types of pathologies, we can expose new information about schizophrenia. And by mapping also across different illness stages in schizophrenia, rather than just focusing on one time point of, of disease and by progressing in this direction, we can begin to unravel these many biological complexities associated with schizophrenia in order to identify more precise clinical treatments for people. Mm, yeah. And I guess since then, since you've completed your PhD, you said that you've sort of extended on this research. Um, have you found anything new since then? Yes, yeah, so I've very much extended this research since completing my PhD, the expertise and, and experience that I applied during the PhD in brain imaging and schizophrenia biology lent itself to my role over in Boston, where I analyzed brain images of people who had uh, prodromal psychosis symptoms or who were considered at higher risk of developing psychosis. And the aim of that project was to see whether we could use these neuroimaging techniques to predict who will and who will not develop psychosis. So the benefit of, of findings of this project is that we're, we're a step closer to being able to predict the onset of psychosis. And by doing this, we can intervene early and delay or possibly even prevent the onset and serious impacts uh, of psychosis. And in Australia, now that I'm back here, I've also established my own research endeavour to understand the biology of schizophrenia across different scales of biology. So from microscopic changes occurring in molecules and cells to the macroscopic changes occurring in the entire brain. And we do this by combining neuroimaging with genetic data and data obtained from stem cell experiments as well. Yeah, yeah, well, it's definitely a very important area. And um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see where that goes. And I guess if you're um, thinking ahead, um, what are some of your goals um, for your research career looking forward? So my research goal, put simply, is to understand the biology of schizophrenia and to use this information to identify new and hopefully better treatments to alleviate symptoms and, and suffering in people with schizophrenia. I think that uh, we need to understand, though, that this is going to take time. We first need to comprehensively characterise the biology of the illness so that we can form a more mechanistic understanding of the disorder, which will take us a step closer to being able to pinpoint those key drivers and causes that get us to better and more precise treatments. Yeah, oh, great. And um, yeah, it's been really great hearing about your research today. And, and I know that our, our, our Rotary audience, they always appreciate hearing about the results of the research that we fund. And um, yeah, many of their donations um, really come straight from their fundraising efforts. I guess, um, could you perhaps maybe talk about how the Ian Scott PhD scholarship has impacted your career personally? 
Absolutely. So this Ian Scott PhD scholarship was extremely in instrumental in my entire career. It allowed me to complete my education, to uh, build a career in neuroscience and to learn new information about schizophrenia. So I would say it's been the primary catalyst for my entire career in mental health research. Oh, that's, yeah, that's great to hear. And, and thank you again uh, for, for joining us on the podcast today and, and sharing your research with us. And I guess before we wrap up, was there anything that you'd like to add? Just thank you again for having me here. This Lift the Live initiative is so important to get people talking and sharing what they know about mental illness from their own experience and, and uh, based on research as well. And I think that the more that we talk and the more we share ideas, the faster we'll generate better solutions for people and families affected by mental illness. Thank you very much, Jessica. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks again, Maria. That was the 53rd episode of our podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid. It's always so inspiring to hear what researchers in Australia are doing to make a difference to mental health and how they are helping us on our mission to lift the lid on mental illness. If you can, please support important mental health research like Maria's by donating on the Australian Rotary Health website. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next time.